Welcome back to Restorative Grief with Mandy Capehart. I'm your host, Mandy, and this week we are going to unpack a concept that comes up with nearly all of my clients and friends. As a reminder, before we dive in, each episode is written with a desire to help you grow in grief literacy and understanding so that you can become the person you need most when it comes to navigating your losses. We are the hopeful grievers, trusting that we will find healing by learning to hold space for ourselves and what we need. We are becoming the very people we need most, and by doing so, we grant permission for others to do the same. I am so grateful you're here again, and pray that in these words you'll find something here that compels you to move forward with grace, curiosity, and compassion for your story. Have you ever been offered a compliment along the lines of, oh, I just don't know how you do it. I could never do this. I cannot imagine what you're going through, but you are so strong. You can do this. You seem to be handling all of this really well, and I'm praying for you to find strength. Stay strong. If you throw in a few scriptures or well-intended platitudes, to those statements above, what you're left with is one of the best ways to effectively silence a hurting heart. There has never, ever been a time in my own grief process when the phrase, you're so strong, has actually made me feel better for a number of reasons. And I wonder if you'll relate to any of the thoughts running through my head when I hear someone praising my strength. I usually think, I already know how strong I am, and this isn't making me stronger. This grief is breaking everything in my life, and I don't know how to function, but I do know how to put on a show. But you don't seem to be very interested in hearing what I'm actually going through because somehow you cannot imagine my pain and you're not asking me any questions. I am not strong right now. I wish you would stop trying to convince us both otherwise. I'm sure you could add a litany of your own responses And in grief, it can be very common to feel like we owe it to others and ourselves to maintain that stiff upper lip. This method of sober emotional restraint was even popularized as a wartime strategy for Britain during World War II. And you know the phrase, keep calm and carry on has shown up on posters, coffee mugs, t-shirts with endless variations for years now. I even saw one at the library the other day that said, keep calm and wash your hands. For some reason, the idea of remaining externally calm and controlled has been conflated incorrectly with inner peace. Essentially, if you can keep it together emotionally on the outside, your insides will eventually match and all work out in the end. But it doesn't always work out in the end, does it? The keep calm phrase is a way of forcing yourself to ignore what is happening around you so that you can appear in control. And I really can't stand it, to be honest. So here is another quote that I find much more invitational. Unfortunately, I don't know where it originated. So if you know the author, please shoot me a message so I can give them credit. It says, I dream of never being called resilient again in my life. I am exhausted by strength. I want support. I want softness. I want ease. I want to be amongst kin, not patted on the back for how well I take a hit or for how many. This is what comes to mind almost daily as I wrestle with this idea that strength is not a virtue. 
Strength is morally neutral. And I use that phrase morally neutral often because I recognize that I live in a culture quick to moralize and assign the binary of good and bad to just about anything it can. I don't want to assign that to myself, nor do I want to carry that concept of morality, good or bad, into the space of grieving. I know plenty of people who would much rather I keep such labels nearby for when I make decisions that fall outside of their preferences. As a soccer coach, I'm sure you can imagine the parental conversations I get to have about my coaching methods versus what they might prefer. Just the other day, while I was coaching my daughter's soccer team, she came off the field to the sideline to cry. I thought she was injured, but it turns out a teammate and friend had hurt her feelings. She'd made a mistake during the game and lost the ball to the other team, and her teammate expressed that frustration, that she was feeling some kind of way about it, and my daughter was really upset. So as the coach, it would be easy for me to tell her, shake it off, you can deal with it after the game, and use that anger to play with intensity. And as a coach, I can't tell you how many times I've heard other parents tell their child, simply rub some dirt on it and keep going. The desire to minimize and move on is so strong with our generation, and in some instances, it can serve us well. However, I want to be a parent and a coach who invites softness, who lives their life as a safe place to fall. And this emotional moment with my child was a chance to practice. So by giving her a few minutes to feel her feelings, I was able to then ask what she wanted to do about how she really felt. She quickly got past that self-protective armor of her anger, noticed what she was actually feeling about the comment, and was able to re-enter the game without closure first. After the game, she calmly explained to her friend what she needed. They reconciled and apologized within minutes. And I tell you, I know adults who cannot navigate grievous, intense moments like this so naturally. And it's not for lack of trying, but I believe it's because we have placed too high a value on stoicism in the face of our troubles. So how do we borrow from stoicism and the wisdom it offers to feel our feelings and show up as weak without compromising what we think might be on the line, whether it's our character, our reputation, or maybe our self-respect? What do we actually think will happen if we appear to be weak in an area? Maybe we suspect we will lose a role that we value or the respect of someone we admire. But if you ask me, it sounds like they only respect a version of us that is not authentic to who we are or who we want to become. I'll be honest, I've struggled with this very thing. I have lost the respect of others and positions I appreciated because of my inability to hide the most authentic version of myself whether that is through expressing my frustration, my heaviness, or my confusion, or just being honest and confronting when someone has hurt me. I have finally learned it is okay to disappoint people who believe that I'm perfectly happy and satisfied. I'm willing to appear weak and be honest about what hurts, not only because my faith and convictions teach me that strength come from humility, but because in my weakness, I'm able to see where in my life I need support. And with this level of awareness, I'm able to notice the people in my story that are no longer welcome as supporting characters, which honestly 
might be one of the biggest benefits of living authentically. To me, the value of stoicism in the face of grief is not to appear strong and settled to those circling around my life. Stoicism teaches that by developing self-control, we can overcome destructive emotions. It defines virtue as wisdom, justice, courage, and moderation, four characteristics that when applied to a season of tension can develop mental toughness in certain new ways for us. But if we rely solely on developing our mental toughness, we lose access to the tender-hearted, soft place to land when everything in life seems sharp. Stoicism relies on logic to try and understand the universal reasons for what is happening around us and how to respond. But when we put it this way, it starts to sound like a very empty pursuit in the face of our grief. Learning how to process our grief means examining our beliefs about life, healing, relationships, and self-awareness. Grief is a big old reset button on our comprehension of the world at large. While that might sound and feel like the worst thing I've ever said to you, I hope it also sounds like permission to ask some big questions. Now, you don't need my permission to grieve differently, but sometimes permission helps. So if you're feeling a little trapped by your strength and stoic approach to life, may today be the day that you find and accept permission to feel weak sometimes too. Thank you for listening to episode six of Restorative Grief with Mandy Capehart. I pray that you resonate with this new permission to shake off this feeling of obligation to keep it all together. Feeling weak is not a sign that you are a weak person. It's a sign that you have feelings and those feelings have insight and information for you. If we continue to muscle through life, hiding our needs and our low points, we will likely continue to suffer beneath a false sense of strength, which serves no one, least of all our broken hearts. A friend of mine owns a local coffee shop, and she shares some of the most encouraging and hilarious reminders of how life can be different if we take a step outside of our usual comfort zones and expectations. Recently, she shared a perfect quote for this episode about finding strength in all the right places, and I cackled so hard. She said, I'm going to need you to be strong today, I whisper to my cup of coffee. (laughs) Because really, the only things I need to remain strong in are my convictions, my relationships, and my morning cup of coffee. As always, you can find me on Instagram or Twitter at Mandy Capehart or online at MandyCapehart.com. I love connecting with each of you, so please pop over, say hello, let me know what resonated and what didn't. I'm so grateful to see you sharing about this work and restorative grief in all its iterations, so if you do share, please tag me so I see it. It means the world. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next week.